0: But I am so glad that God intervened in my life. Um, I wish that you guys knew how much I truly love the gospel. The fact that that the good news is where Jesus, full of love, comes to be like us and to die for us on our behalf. Like he took everything that you deserved. Everything that you deserved. That's why I love... The gospel so much. The gospel is the only love story where the hero dies for the villain. That's you and me. You with me? It's the only story, only love story where where the hero dies for the the villain. it's, It's this love story that draws all men unto himself. That's why in John 12, 32, John records this. He says, and I will do this when I am lifted up off the ground, talking about the cross, And when i draw the hearts of people together and gather them to me the reason he does that is he he loves you so much he wanted to draw himself uh, you you unto himself that was the whole point of being lifted lifted up the ultimate picture of love has the ultimate picture of what love has done was displayed when christ went to the cross it is this love that Paul wrote about in 2 Corinthians. He wrote this, he said, For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that He, he has given His love for, for all of us. This means He died, He died with Him, which means we died with Him, so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for Him. The one who died for us and now leave, uh, and now lives again. In this word convinced. And I can, uh, this word "convinced" gets me fired up because this um, this word "convinced" doesn't come from winning someone over with an argument. It's it comes from an it, this word "convinced" that's used in here in the text is coming from you're convinced because of an experience that you've experienced. You're convinced because he you have a story, you have a testimony of how how this love transformed your life forever. And there's no other name under which it can be done. There's no dreams. There's no like there's none of that stuff that'll work. Only through Jesus. And you have this experience that changes you, that convince you that he is real. We have a testimony, a story of what love has done in our lives, how we've experienced love, the love of Christ, a love that speaks a living word over all of those who believe in him. It's a living word. That's because, and here's the deal, because dead things become living things. then don't become living things until a living person declares a living word and the only true living person is Christ. And he's speaking life into you. That's why I get so fired up about the gospel. Because a, a hero dies for the villain. A hero dies for the villain. To give the villain a new life. This villain, that, and that villain that is dead, as Ephesians 2 says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air. But I love those words, but, in there. But God, being so rich in mercy, gave his son. That's, the love. That's what love is. We say that we use love too much because we love our tacos, we love our chihuahuas, we love our vehicles. Like we use the word love way too much. True love sticks it out. it dies for something. And this is the love that the Father, that Christ had for you. And today we're going to look one of my favorite stories in all of scripture, where a man experiences a love that ch- not only changes his life physically, but spiritually. This love that changes everything in his life, not just, not just what he needed healing for, but to see his reaction at the end of the story. Because if you've truly experienced the love of Christ, it will change how you react to certain things. It will change your motivation for certain things. It will change how you respond when you just hear the name Jesus. So this is one of my favorite stories. Is it, let's look at how experiencing love, how experiencing love leads you, okay? John 9, 1. Afterward, means there's a story before this. Go back to last week, you're going to hear it. Afterward, as Jesus walked down the street, he noticed a man blind from birth. Now, I want to stop there. Did you, did you notice something like spectacular about that verse? Did that man ask Jesus for anything? No. Did he beg Jesus for anything? No. What does it say that Jesus noticed him? Did you pick it up? It was Jesus who noticed the man. The man didn't ask for something. He didn't beg Jesus for nothing. He Jesus was just pushed by his love for the world to notice this man. And maybe you're here and you feel like you feel like you, you've gone unnoticed. You feel like your your desires, God isn't answering your desires. Like you, like you, God, if you would just do this in my life, God, if you would just, if you would just notice me right here. Like I know there's somebody in this room. Maybe you're listening on later. You're like, does God even notice the pain in my heart, the desires, the dreams, the vision for my life? Well, He's given me permission this morning to tell you that He notices you, and, it, and it's coming. He notices you, and it's coming. Just let go and trust Him. Cry, he's just what he's he was sort of let me tell you. Christ is not going to pass you by, he notices you. He notices you. John 9 and 1 going back, it says, Afterward, as Jesus walked down the street, he noticed uh, He noticed a man b- blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Teacher, whose sin caused this guy's blindness, his own or the sin, the sin of his parents? Because there's this horrible doctrine that um, back in that time when they, when they believed it was nowhere in scripture, okay. That, that, said, that said, you know, if you have some sort of ailment like this or some sort of disease like leprosy or any of this, it was caused by either your sin or your parents' sin, right? It's messed up, like some of the messed up stuff churches teach us today, right? This is, but, so this is why they're asking it. Like They're, they're not trying to cast judgment, but they're asking a serious question. They're just like, like, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus, this is Jesus' response, neither. It happened to him so that you could watch him experience God's miracles experience God's love. While I'm with you, it is daytime, and we must do the work of God who sent me while, it, while while the light shines. For there is coming a day, a dark night, when no one will be able to work. As long as I am with you, and is he with you right now? Yes. As long as I am with you, you, my life is the light, remember we talked about that last week, that pierces the world's darkness. And where is this light currently at? Last week, we said it's inside of us. It's living inside of me and you. The light in you will pierce not only the dark places of our lives, but the dark places of the world and our communities that are around us. The, this light in us gives us power. Power to do what? John tells us in chapter 20, 20 where I didn't put this in here, but John tells us in chapter 20 that the, word, the words of you. Records the words of Jesus telling us that the Father has sent me, so now I am sent. Now I am sending you not only to preach the good news, but in Matthew eleven and in Luke, for uh, this light that's within us, we'll see captives set free, the blind restored to sight, the dead raised again, and the lepers healed. With this light inside of us, we will see miracles happen on earth. And one of the greatest miracles is guess what? You became you came from death to life. But there's so much more that God wants you to experience with this light inside of you. In fact, and Mark records it this way. There's one part of this that's a little scary. We're not going to bring out any snakes or anything, so don't worry about that. But it says this in verse 15 of chapter 16, it says, And he said to them, this is Jesus talking, As you go into the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to, to the entire human race. Whoever believes in good news and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe the good news, news will be condemned. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will, they will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. That's the power that we have. That's the light that we have inside of us. The question is, are we really tapped in? Are we? Now, like I said, we're not going to bring out snakes because that's really, like, there's some churches that do that and they, they take that way out of context. That's talking about the enemy's attack. You know, that's not talking about, hey, let's handle snakes because, listen, if you brought a snake out here, I know for one, dad will be running. and dad, It's been a while since dad ran, all right? <laughs> and i would be running too, okay? That's talking about the enemy's attack, our enemies attacking us. But we, these things will accompany, accompany us if we truly are followers of Jesus. If we truly believe. Then he goes on to say this in verse 6. He says, then Jesus, this is sick, it's COVID season, y'all. Then Jesus spat on the ground and made some clay with with his saliva. Then he anointed the, anointed the blind man's eyes with the clay. I love how this said anointed the man's eyes with the clay, the very clay that he just spit in him. Because here's the thing you have to understand in that culture. If you walked by somebody that was born blind or somebody with leprosy, you would, you would spit in their direction because they, they in that culture it was viewed as a curse. Curse from God. So that is their way of saying, I know your curse. I'm spitting in your direction. So when Jesus walks up to this man, when Jesus walks up to this man, this man hears Jesus spit, what's the first thing that will pop in your mind? This man thinks I'm a curse too. But Jesus takes the very thing, the very sign of a curse and turns it into glory. The very thing that culture did to show they believed they were cursed Jesus use, uses for a miracle Your miracles may not come come exactly the way that you think they should That's you want them to look like Your miracles may not come like you expected to But they're coming he notices you He notices you but He goes on to say this he says and he said to the blind man, now go and wash the clay from your eyes. Yes, because there's a spit in my eye now, Jesus. Um, and he said to, the, said to the blind man, now go and, and wash the clay from your eyes in the ritual pool of Siloam. So he went and washed his face, and he, and he came back. Uh, he came, and he came back. He could see for the first time in his life. This caused quite a stir because when you've experienced Jesus, we'll talk about it in a second. When you experience Jesus, something traumatic, well, not traumatic, but drastically changes in your life. This caused quite a stir among the people of the neighborhood. For they noticed the blind beggar was now seeing. They began to to say to one another, isn't this the, the blind man who once sat and begged? Some said, no, it can't be him. Others said, but it looks just like him. It has to be him. All the while, the man kept insisting, I'm the man who was blind. He's already sharing his encounter with, with, with Jesus. Uh, that is me because, here's the deal, because encounters with Jesus should transform how people see you. Encounters with Jesus should transform how people see you. That means your life should look different than some of your coworkers who are not believers. Like, drastically different. Because once you've encountered Jesus, something not only changes on the inside, but it affects how you act on the outside. It affects how you live on the outside. If your life is not recognizably different than it was before, you need to reevaluate re- where you are in Christ. If you've, never, if, you, if you've never had an encounter with Jesus, or you, it's either because you've never had an encounter with Jesus or you're not tapped into the true power that he has to give you. You're allowing what we talked about last week, sin, to have a hold of you. Does your life look drastically different? I'm not saying you don't screw up or you mess up because your brother screws up all the time. You can act, just don't ask Brittany. She'll tell you all the gory details, okay? But there should be this, ya- this yearning in your heart to do better and be better because of the one who did better for you. But he goes on to say, finally they asked him, what has happened to you? Because when something changes, people want to know what it is. Because people are searching for for better, that's why the biggest section in, section sold at bookstores is self help books. They're looking for something better. That's why every January people sign up to go to gyms because they want something better. They, they, that's why that, that's why you're searching for the best next thing because you want your life to be better. Because when your life is better, people want to know how it ha- what has what has happened to affect your life, and that's the point where you say, "Oh no, I just encountered this man who just changed my life forever." I'm getting ahead of myself.
1: Finally, they asked him,
0: what has happened to you? And he replied, I met the man named Jesus. He rubbed clay in my eyes. Meanwhile, I'll just let you know he spits. So it's a little weird, but it's all good. It worked. He, re- he replied, I met the man named Jesus. He rubbed clay on my eyes and said, go to the pool named Salome and-, and wash. So I went, and while I was washing the clay from, the, from my eyes, I began to say for the, see for the very first time ever. So the people of the neighborhood inquired, Well, where is he? Where is this man? And he goes, I have no idea. I didn't really see him because I had clay in my eyes. I haven't seen him since then. I didn't see which direction he walked. So the people did what only they knew to do at the time. So the people marched him over to the Pharisees to speak with them. Why? They were concerned. Concerned for what? Because the miracle Jesus performed by making clay with with his saliva and anointing the man's eyes happened on the Sabbath day. Could they not get past that at this point? <laughs> like, you, you would think, like, at this point in the story, you'd think, least this man could see. Who cares if it was on Sunday or Friday or Saturday? Like, who cares? Who cares if it's his mama's birthday and he got the present? I don't care. You know, they were concerned... Because the miracle Jesus performed by making clay with his saliva and anointing this man's eyes happened on a Sabbath day, a day that no one was allowed to work. <laughs> I never mind, I'm just keep moving. Then the Pharisees asked the man, "How did you ever? How did you have your sight restored?" And he replied, "A man anointed my eyes with clay. Then I washed, and now I can see for the first time in my life." Then an argument broke out among the Pharisees. If I was that God, I'd be standing there going, I can see. <laughs> Why are you arguing about doctrine and theology? Like I don't know anything about that. I which he does that here in a minute. Like all I know is I can see. Then the argument broke out among the Pharisees over the healing of the blind man on the Sabbath. Some said, "This man who performed this healing is clearly not from God. He doesn't even observe the Sabbath because Sabbath was not made for God, y'all. As the Bible says it was made for man as a reflection to look, to look back, to take the time to look back on the goodness of God." Right, And what a greater way to celebrate it than a man being brought back from being blind. What a way to celebrate. That's something to celebrate. But instead, they're like, well, But they said, if Jesus is just an ordinary... Look, can you go back one verse? I'm going to read, read, read that verse. Verse C. Then the argument broke out among the Pharisees over the healing of, this, of, the, of the blind man on the Sabbath. Some said, this man who performed this healing clearly is not from God. He doesn't even deserve the Sabbath. Others said, if Jesus, if Jesus is just an ordinary sinner... How could he perform miracles like this? Some of them, some of them were like, "Well, we're no, catching on, right? This prompted them to turn, to, on, turn on, uh, to turn on the man healed of blindness, putting him on, on the spot in front of them all, demanding an answer. They asked, "Who do you say he is? this man who opened your blind eyes?" And this is what the man's response was. He says, "He's a prophet of God," the man replied. verse 18. Still refusing to believe that the man had been healed. It was true. Like you know they had to walk past this guy every day at the Temple gate. And some of them will probably get, flipped him a coin or two here and there. Like, you know this is him. And that, like how could he have faked it for how, he's an adult now, so he had to have faked it for a long time. Uh, still refusing to believe the man had been healed, and was truly blind from birth, the, Jews, the Jewish leaders uh, called for the man's parents to be brought, in, brought to them. So they asked his parents. And so they knew this man because they knew who his parents were. Like, like uh, leaders can be crazy sometimes, you know. So they asked his parents, "Is this your son?" Yes, they answered. "Was he really born blind?" Yes, he was. They replied. Seems like a very like you already know. It like anybody, I'm gonna keep So they pressured his, they pressed his parents to answer. And how is it? How is it that? How is it that he now is seeing? And they said. We have no idea, they answered. We don't know what happened to our son. Ask him. He's a mature adult. He can speak for himself. <laughs> now verse 22 explains why they said that, because leaders can be evil. All right. Now the parents were obviously intimidated by the Jewish religious leaders, for they had already announced to the people that if anyone publicly confessed Jesus as the Messiah, they would be excommunicated. And that was being excommunicated in that time period in that culture would have been death. That's why they told him, ask him. He's a mature adult; he can speak for himself. That's them, kind of throwing the man, his their old son under under the bus a little bit. But the man, this dude, doesn't back down. Listen to this, so verse twenty-four. So once again, they summoned the man who was healed of blindness and said to him, "Swear to God, swear to God, to tell us the truth. We know that we know the man who healed you is a sinful man. Do you agree?" This kind of puts this man between them in a hard place, doesn't it? Between what the rest of his life's gonna look like, whether it be a follower of Jesus or staying in this environment. The hill man replied, <laughs> I have no idea what kind of man he is. All I know is that I was blind. And now I can see for the first time in my life. For the first time in my life. When you encounter love like this, it defies all logic. This man didn't have doctrine for this. He didn't have a theology for this. All he knew was that 30 minutes ago I was blind. And now I can see. That's my story. I can't put a doctrine behind what just happened to me. I can't put a theology behind. Like I've been sitting at the, you wouldn't even let me in the temple to even know, understand doctrine and theology because you consider me cursed because I was born blind. So I had to sit at the gate. Hopefully I got a little bit of good news as people walked out. I don't know anything about this. All I know is that 30 minutes ago I was blind. But whoever this man is, I can see now. He goes on to say this. You know, they go on to ask him. Verse 26, it says, But what did he do to you? <laughs> they ask, How did he heal you? <laughs> oh, this, I'm, okay, at this point, I think the guy's getting a little frustrated because he's like, I don't know. know. So this, this the man responded, I told you once, and you didn't listen to me. Why do you make me repeat it? Are you wanting to be a follower too? Ooh, it's like, BAM! Some of them are probably like, secretly, like, Yeah, I do kind of want to be his follower there's some of them that's like they're trying to find a reason to kill jesus so this angered the jewish leaders and they heaped insults on him because that's what people who are supposed to lead you to life do right we can tell you're one of his followers now we know it we are true followers of moses for we know that god spoke to moses directly but as for this one we don't know where he's coming from this is what the man's reply was <laughs> love it well What a surprise this is. He says, (laughs) Next verse. But what a surprise this is. Man said, Like he doesn't even care at this point. (laughs) You don't even know where he comes from, but he healed my eyes, and now I can see. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but only to to godly people who do his will. Yet, who has ever heard of a man born blind that was healed? given his eyesight for the very first time. I tell you, if this man isn't from God, he wouldn't be able to heal me like he has. I mean, he's already, like, he's gotten it. He gets it. Verse 34 says, some of the Jewish leaders, some of the Jewish leaders, were enraged and said, just who do you think you are to lecture us? You were born a blind, filthy sinner. So they threw the man out in the street. And that's the positive here, if the church has ever, I know some people in here and maybe listening online have some church hurt because of the way leaders have treated you. And I just want you to know that I, on behalf of God, I'm sorry that the church has treated you like that. I'm sorry. Because a, because a loving Christ would never treat you like that. And his bride shouldn't be. So I'm sorry. So they threw the man out so when jesus learned they had thrown him out he went to find him again because jesus love compels when jesus learned they had thrown they had thrown him out he went to find him and said to him do you believe in the son of god and the man because remember he never seen jesus he just i mean he had saliva and dirt all over his face and the man who's blind blind eyes who were the man whose blind eyes were healed answered who is he, Master? Tell me so that I can place all my faith in him. And Jesus replied, You're looking right at him. He's speaking with you. It's me, the one in front of you now. The one in front of you now. Now watch. Watch the response of this man. Because when you've encountered Jesus, it changes how you respond to even in the name of Jesus. Then the man threw himself at his feet and worshiped Jesus and said, Lord, I believe. Lord, when you, when you see what love has done, you'll want to do nothing else but to give praise to the miracle worker. When you've truly experienced, experienced this love, you want to do nothing more than to lay out in front of the one who saved you. You will forsake everything else to fall at his feet and just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Because you didn't get what you deserved And as I said earlier, it's this love that compels us that draws us to lay down at his feet That's why in Romans 8 1 Paul says so now the case is closed This is why this is why we lay ourselves down at his feet This is why we worship this is why even just the name of Jesus should should fill our hearts with passion joy with outward expression of worship it says so now the case is closed there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus the anointed one for the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us or freed us from the law of sin and death For, for God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature yet God sent Sent us His Son in human form to identify with human weakness, clothed with humanity. God's Son gave His body to be the sin offering, so that God could once and for all condemn condemn the guilt and power of sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the Anointed One living His life in us, and we are free to live not according to our flesh, but the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. That's what you have experienced as a believer. That's why we worship, that's why we sing, that's why we fall prostrate on the floor at the the throne. Because he has done that. In our human weakness, he became our strength. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not less condemnation, it's no condemnation. Condemnation equals the establishment of guilt or the punishment that you deserve for the crime that you commit, but there is no condemnation for those found in Christ Jesus. Have you been struggling with temptation? Well, guess what? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Has the old body of death tried to attach itself to your walk with Christ? There is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Have you found yourself wavering in your faith? Well, guess what? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is how Christ motivates us to change Like if we are not being punished for the wrong that we do I want you to think about it If we're not being punished for the wrong that we do How then are we motivated to live to live differently if God isn't interested in punishing us? You ever thought about it? here's why, because when you get the revelation that you haven't received what you deserve, but instead have received what Christ deserves, <laughs> you are left with a heart that desires to honor God when you truly experience that. You're left with a heart that desires to honor God with everything that you do. That is why the goodness and the kindness of of God leads men unto repentance because you don't get what you deserve you actually got got what Christ deserved I didn't deserve mercy but I found it I don't deserve grace but I found it I don't deserve freedom but I found it I don't deserve anointing but I found it I don't deserve breakthrough but I found it it's because while I was yet a sinner Christ died for me goes on to say this because and jesus said i have come to i've come to judge those who think they see make them blind it's harsh don't be so arrogant to think you're better than somebody else because in fact you make yourself look foolish and you're blinded from your own need of a savior that's why when you've experienced grace like i said the other day I have come to judge those who think they can see and make them blind and for those who are blind i have come to make them see thank god i can see some of the pharisees were standing nearby and overheard these words and they they interrupted jesus and said you mean to tell us that we are blind jesus i've been waiting for this moment (laughs) and jesus told them if you would acknowledge your blindness then your sin would be removed but now that you claim to see your sin remains with you You and myself included need to let go sometimes. Need to let go and let God just handle things. God whatever is blinding me, whatever is blinding me, open that up so I can see it. Whatever I'm blind to in my heart that needs to change, open my eyes so I can change it. We've got to let go and trust God. We, we serve a supernatural God who does supernatural things. We gotta let go of logic. We gotta let go. We gotta let go of the fear of stepping out. And we gotta begin to trust Him. Trust in the fact that, and believe in the fact that if the Bible says it, believe it. Believe it if the Bible says it, and walk in it. The question becomes: Are you ready to take the step? Because it's a huge step for you to say, God remove the blinders from my eyes and let me see what what's really needs to change indeed. I don't care how young you are and how old you are there's something in your life that God wants to open your eyes to and change in you the good news is this scripture is clear that his mercies are new every morning every morning another good news is that he notices you even when you don't ask for it he notices you and maybe it's sitting right in front of you and you just don't see it yet because you have your blinders on you're claiming that you can see when the reality God's going you need, take those, you need to take those out you need to open your eyes a little bit what is he wanting to, you to open your eyes to? what is he wanting to open your eyes to? are you willing to take that next step? because we serve a God who notices us and he wants change in our lives and when we've experienced true change, we'll want to do nothing else. We've experienced true love. But we'll want to do nothing else than to lay out in front of Jesus and just worship. Worship. I think it was Mike who said to me last Sunday afternoon, we should be ripping this roof off, roof off this place. with the stories of life change that's just in this room. I mean... The metal should just be peeling back. We should have to buy a new roof every week. Come on. on Mondays, when we go, we going into work. The foundations of our workplaces should just rattle with the praise of every step that we take. When we're sitting across that person in the lunchroom at school or at at work on our breaks, that table should literally levitate from just the praise that's building up in us so that we just can't like let me tell you what Jesus did for me this week because when your life has truly been changed you'll want it to over like it, it has nothing else to do with it than to overflow out of you because I'm going to give the a little secret church lie to you yes it is a personal faith but by personal faith it doesn't mean it stays with you it's meant for us to get it out. He's your personal savior. But it's, that, it doesn't that come just to us. It flows through us. And it should lead how we interact with people around us. They should know what we worship. They should know. I bet this man danced the rest of his life. I don't know how he, he could have been. He could have been 30. He could have been 24. He could have been 56. I don't know. That I guarantee the rest of his life, he was like, "I don't know. I encountered this man named Jesus, and I was blind." And like two seconds later, I could see. How'd that happen? I don't know how it happened. All I know is that this man changed my life. He didn't have a long testimony, did he? He didn't keep somebody waiting for an hour listening to him. All he said was, "I was blind. <laughs> now I can see." That was his testimony. That was his story. We all have those stories that we should worship and follow the Jesus. God, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the opportunity you give us to worship you. And God, we just with a heart of worship, I just say thank you for taking shame in my life and turning it into glory. Taking pain in my life and turning it to glory that you would allow a man like me to stand on a stage to proclaim your goodness is riveting my soul that you would place people under me for me to lead, like that's amazing to me of Neskwai in the middle of storms, in the middle of valleys on top of mountaintops I want you to know that you are praised with every step that I take the devil should have took me at seven when I got hit by a car if he didn't want me to walk differently you had your chance God I pray for a revival I pray for revival that not only affects Shift church but the community that surrounds us that we fall so in love with you and what you've done for us that we get rev- revival starts in our hearts and just the fire breaks out in some because all that all we can do every day is just worship who you are and how great you are i pray for those who are desiring more that they receive more those who are searching for you i pray that they find you not that you're lost but in fact you're standing right in front of them saying I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, just take the blinders off. I pray that the Spirit just fills all of us and we live lives of power. That we see blind blind people see, that we see miracles take place, that we see healing. I pray that we see that and that like it becomes the norm and then when we see those things that we do nothing else but just worship worship where we stand and I pray all this in your name amen May I love you guys